0: today's episode it's just the two of us we can make it if we try (laughs) which i think is the lyrics um yeah how are you i'm good i'm good tired but ready to talk about movies, my favorite subject in the world.
1: The only subject in the world.
0: Yeah, the only one that really matters. Uh, yeah. Eric, we didn't really do too much planning for this. We're just kind of going in. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to run something by you. Mm-hmm. As of July 29th, 2022, Americans owe nearly $1.7 in student loan debt, spread out among 48 million borrowers. That's $412 billion more than the yeah. total US auto loan debt. So that's 4 so just to reiterate that, that's 412 billion dollars <laughs> more than the US owes collectively in all of their loans for the Teslas in the stupid fucking trucks that nobody uses, but they want to have a truck because <laughs> they want to pretend that they're like working men even though that they usually work in an office. That is kind of wild. Few more facts. Among the class of 2020, 55% of bachelor's degree recipients took out student loans, graduating with an average an average of 28,000 in federal and private debt, which is kind of insane. I didn't realize it was such an issue, student debt here, but it is pretty crazy.
1: Oh yeah, it's it's crippling. I I'm a part of that
0: number. <laughs> You're, part, you're a part of that $1.75 trillion yeah. in debt. Yep. 4.7% of student loans were 90 days or more delinquent as of the first quarter of 2022. So nearly 5% of all of those loans were already 90 days delinquent. And the average student uh, loan payment, this is average, like on aggregate, over all those people who own that student debt, is $300 a month. You think about it.
1: I don't like to think about it too much, <laughs>
0: I know. Sorry. Is this too? Is this too? I just think this is good. Like, well, we're setting the scene here for the episode. No,
1: no, no. I mean, I think I think it's actually perfect. I think it's it's a perfect setup. But I think by the end of the call, I'm probably gonna jump out of my second story uh, window right here.
0: (laughs) You know what's funny is I don't think that's high enough to kill you. So you'll probably fall, and then you'll probably like I don't know get paralyzed from the waist downwards, but still all the death disability disability. Oh yeah. And that'll go case, ahead. I mean we can <laughs> I'll
1: try for head first. I'll try for head first.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, aim aim for just aim for the noggin right yeah. on the on the concrete. Yeah.
1: So I can I can add I can add my medical bills into my student loan debt. So oof. Yeah.
0: Oof. Yeah. I mean you might as well. At this point, fuck it. You know what I mean? <laughs> what what difference does the extra couple hundred dollars make?
1: Question. Did you do you have student debt when you because you went to school overseas, how does that work?
0: Okay, so bear in mind that like we're getting on, we're old now. So when I went to school, I do, I can't speak with authority about what, how it is now because I don't know because it's been so long since I've been in England. But I didn't have any student debt. The only student debt that I I didn't I didn't get charged for my education. The only thing that I accrued was when you start the first day of university. You can sign up for a credit card. You know what I mean? So like they, they, they like the, throw credit cards at you because a lot of these kids, it's fine. You, you like at least in the 90s or whatever it was when I went, you would go to school. Say, for example, if you went to a different city, so you went to a bigger city if you were from a small city or which I didn't because I was already in a, in a bigger city. Um, but say, for example, if I had went to like Leeds or like Manchester or something like that. You can, you study in full-time, but you can pick up a part-time job and you say so either stay in halls of residence, okay, which is kind of like subsidized, or you can get an apartment and live with like seven other people, you know what I mean? In which case you have to pay your bills, right? So a lot of kids will take on part-time jobs in order to subsidize living there, or if you, your family can support you, they'll pay your rent, you know what I mean? Sure. But it's living expenses usually that people pick up loans for if they don't want to work when they're at school, So Mm -hmm. like they'll pick up a loan just to pay the rent for the month, you know what I mean? Or like the rent for the semester or whatever it is. So the only only debt I accrued because I was young and stupid and I just wanted to party all the time because I was working when I went to school and I didn't have to go out of city. So I just, I was just living with my parents. So I just stupidly signed up for credit cards, but not a lot. (laughs) I mean, it totaled about like £4,000, I think I ended up accruing. Which I was just kind of like, you know, like, so it wasn't a lot of money, but it also it was, I was kind of like not interested to in pay it back. Cause it's like, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So like that, that stuck around for a little bit and then I cleared it off. But in terms of my education, no, I didn't get charged. To That's learn.
1: crazy to me. I, I just, I feel like, and it's going to come up in this movie, but I feel like the education system in America is predatory as far as the money that they give out. I didn't really, it's not that I didn't think about the money that I was getting and I always in the back of my mind knew that I was gonna have to pay it back, but I was almost in a position where it was like, if if I didn't take out loans, there's no possible way I could have graduated, got an education, anything like that because working a full-time job and going to school full-time, you couldn't afford it. It's impossible to infor- to afford. So I feel like a majority of people have to take on debt uh, in order to get that piece of paper, you know, that m- possibly might help you move on in life or further than you would, which for a majority of people it does. But I,
0: I mean, I'll be the first to say that I'm not using my degree right now. I don't think you're alone in that, though, by like a long stretch. I think I know more people, but also because of where I work. But I know people with de- I, I think I know more people with degrees who don't use them than I do people with degrees who do use them. Yeah, yeah. You know, but then again, I don't hang out in doctors' circles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're know I mean? yeah. like lawyers or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, I suppose that's the nature. It's a, it's an interesting thing. I think predatory is the correct term for it, and I also think that like. There's a gap between uh, granted. I'm not at school here. I didn't go to school here, but I, I, my general consensus amongst all my friends who do have a lot of student debt is that I I think, and this could apply to anywhere, I think this applies to all education. I think there's a huge opportunity in education when you're at school to be taught about money, which I don't think you get taught about at all. So like how in debt works, how interest rates work. I think, I think it could almost be a curriculum in itself. It's like, this is how you manage money. This is how you pay bills. This is, you know, like smart ways to do things, have two bank accounts, have one set up for bills, you know, like basic, basic money management, I think would, would really benefit you long term because not only are you, you leave school and you're just kind of fucking idiot when you leave school because you're just a fucking kid you're thrown into something where you're thrown into a lot of money. You get a lot of loans and a lot of times I should imagine some kids will use those loans appropriately, but a lot of kids will take on loans and just be like, okay, I'm going to buy like a gram of Coke tonight and I'm going to go party (laughs) and I'm going to go to like, I'm going to go to Coachella. You know what I mean? Like it will happen, you know? So I think it's a huge opportunity in general.
1: It is. I mean, I, I I totally agree with you. I mean, there needs to be, I didn't really learn about money until later in life being like how money makes money, like how to set stuff up, like savings, investing, like all this sort of different stuff where you're kind of money help your money works for you sort of thing. Um, but like when you, yeah, when you're in school, you're just, you know, you're kind of, if you do it like right out of high school, you're just a dumb kid, you know, and that's no one's fault. Um, it's not their faults. It's just, that's just the next kind of point of life. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't understand why they don't do that. And, and they really kind of don't emphasize like, here's a strategy, like come up with a strategy to help you chip away at this either while you're in school or a plan for out of school or, or something along those lines So it doesn't become so, um, like, so you don't become so desperate in situations or, uh, er, like, like it's, it's crushing. It can be so crushing and I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely positive and I'm sure there's a a statistic out there that says, uh, like death rate or suicide rate or anything like that when it comes to just debt and just overbearing kind of, um, uh, the the surrounding of just that that uh institution of uh just owing and owing and owing and, and never feeling like you can kind of get on top of it, you know. Luckily I'm I'm kind of in a in a spot where I'm I'm very consistent with it. I don't have this crazy payment or anything like that. But I mean I do have a I do owe a, a decent amount of money, but I'm I'm constantly chipping away at it. There's not there's not a point where me personally where I'm like I don't know if I can afford bills or I have to pay this. It, it's it's just not, I'm not there because I've kind of set my own plan into place um, for this. But say if I was living in Los Angeles, if I was living in New York, Austin, like major cities, something like that, um, and I was like, you know, I'm in my 40s and I have to room with like four or five other people in order to pay debts, pay whatever, um, it could be like like you're not moving forward, you know? So when it comes to the character that we're going to talk about, I, I think that's almost the desperation that happens um, is really kind of taking place.
0: I had the revelation just now. I think I may start up my own business and just offer my services to parents like a scared straight program, you know what I mean? And like you'd hire me, I'd come around, I'd sit down with your kid, and I'd be like, okay, here's how it's gonna work. This is what happens when you get shit face drunk. This is what happens when you do too many of a certain substance. This is what it feels like, this is what, 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 you, what you have in store. This is what happens if you sleep around and you don't use a condom. <laughs> this is what happens with money. And most importantly of all, you are never, ever going to be an artist. So get that out of your fucking head right now. <laughs> and then, you know, like, just basically give them some life truths. Yeah. And then be like, okay, now you go on with the rest of your life. Don't end up like me. And then I'll take that money from the parents.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm, jo- I'm joking, but, like, there's such a... It's just weird that there's a push on book smarts or theoretical kind of learning you know like learning about like i don't know if you're doing whatever course you're doing and you're learning about science or whatever like that there's such little interest in life skills or or common sense it should be like it should be taught and like i would have greatly benefited from it yeah and in fact there was one teacher that i had i had a mathematics teacher who was a tall fucking asshole I forgot his name, very strict, very, very strict. I'd only had him for one year. And I remember being the whole time being like, this guy's a nightmare, He's so mean. But he said one thing and it's the only thing of all of my teachers in all of my time at school, that's junior school, high school, college, university, it's the only thing a single teacher has ever said that stuck with me. And I still think about it all the time. I didn't really listen to it, but I think I think about it. He's he literally signed up and he goes, Never ever, 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 ever pay for anything on credit. And he was like, he was like, it's bad mathematics. He goes, You pay more than the item's worth. That's bad mathematics. And he just and he kept saying it and like and it stuck with me this whole time. And he was the only t- the only time a teacher ever really communicated about the real world to me growing up, you know? So anyway, but yeah, that does tie into our movie today, which is Emily the Criminal.
1: Yeah, a side note real quick. I think this is our most motivational podcast that we've ever done.
0: I think we should kind of like segue into movie slash motivation. <laughs> you know,
1: yeah. I well, we need. I think we need a TikTok for that. So I, I don't know. That's all the kids. You know.
0: <laughs> no, fuck that. I'm too old. I, I'm too weird looking to do a TikTok. I'd be like, why is a homeless guy making a TikTok video right now? <laughs> But we saw Emily the Criminal, we went to see it Saturday, so a couple of days back, which I'm pleased about because I think it was almost, it almost got to the point where I think we missed its theatrical run, at least in our big chain cinema, the AMC.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, I wanted to, what did we, oh, that's right, because it was, uh, we did bodies, and then it was like, oh, I realized that. Emily the criminal is playing at the same time so we watched we chose bodies to do over that and um kind of missed those early runs for that week and like as soon as it's like as soon as the week was done and the and the kind of new movies kind of came out they they already cut it down to like two showings or so like uh we're going to miss it sort of thing so
0: yeah so I'm really pleased we did catch it um I'm actually kind of shocked this movie didn't come on streaming sooner not because of the quality of the movie, because we'll as we get into it, we'll talk about that, but it's just like, I think this is an indicator of where we are now in terms of movies bouncing back and then the how we've kind of slipped off that pandemic mentality where it's like either hold it, don't release it, or just fucking put it on streaming immediately, as well as cinemas, because this movie, you can't just stream it right away. And I think that's nice because I think that forces people who are interested in mid Low budget. The fact that we got to see this in an AMC is quite heartening to me because we had to go and see it in the theater. We had to seek it out. And I think it became a bit more special because of that. So I'm going to give you a plot description for the movie, for everybody listening, not for Eric, just for the people listening. I kind of like using the letterboxed plot description because it's very concise. Because sometimes I'll start and I'll do the Wikipedia one and it's like nine paragraphs. (laughs) I'm like, I'm not going to use that. Yeah. So here we go. Came out in 2022, directed by John Patton Ford, who only has one other credit, a movie from, I think it's like 2010, where there's no information about it. There's no information about John Patton Ford on IMDb at all, which is interesting because that's where you at least need a bio on if you, you're up and coming or any kind of actor, director, cinematographer, whatever. I can't tell you anything about John Patton Ford on this episode because there's no information about him and I don't want to go digging too much. So here's a plot description. Emily, who is saddled with student debt and locked out of the job market due to a minor criminal record, gets involved in a credit card scam that pulls her into the criminal underworld of Los Angeles, ultimately leading to a deadly consequence or deadly consequences. I fucked it up. It was only a one paragraph. I couldn't even read it. <laughs> it was good. It's too early. It was good. Yeah. The tagline is high risks come with even higher rewards. <laughs> Starring Aubrey Plaza is the main actress, who everybody's probably familiar with from Parks and Recreation. A few other movies, Safety Not Guaranteed, I think.
1: Yeah, she has yeah, she has a handful of uh of movies. Um and probably most that I hadn't seen. Um, unfortunately, you know. Because I think
0: she's really good. I think she's great too. She did get kind of saddled in that kind of like dirty grandpa, like Zach Efron comedy nightmare trap. Where it was like all those kind of like really shitty comedies, like she did supporting actress roles in there because I think ultimately that's her background is like improvisation, stand up comedy, that kind of thing. So she's she's a great comedic actress, but it's so nice to see her doing straight roles. I think just because she's she just kind of she's kind of an interesting we'll get into her a little bit, I guess, in a bit later on, but she I find that the way she moves and her like body language is very interesting. She's she has an interesting face, I think. Yeah. And I think that's also due to the fact that, like, she's she's a very attractive lady, but she's unconventional. Like, so she has that kind of unconventional edge to her all around, which I think makes her, like, a pretty dynamic screen presence, especially in this movie. So that's pretty much the rough setup. The only other actor who is in the movie who you might recognize is the, the main actor she stars alongside of, and his name is Theo Rossi. And I know him, his full name, John Theodore Rossi. And I know him because unfortunately I spent a lot of time watching Sons of Anarchy because I must have like hated myself or something. (laughs) And I got in this like hate watch binge of Sons of Anarchy and I watched the entire thing, which I would please do not do that. If you're thinking about it, it's (laughs) fucking terrible. But it's really addictive and I and has the worst ending of any network TV show I've ever seen in my entire life. The ending is so bad. (laughs) Worse than Game of Thrones. Oh, way worse. Like, people were (laughs) complaining about Game of Thrones. I'm like, you guys haven't seen Sons of Anarchy. Like, you don't know what you're complaining about. Sons of Anarchy, oh my God. The last scene in the last episode is out of control. I almost want to spoil it to stop people watching it, but I'm not going to do that. But he was in that for a long time. He played a character called Juice. That's it. Juan Juan Carlos Ortiz, also known as Juice. So he was part of, like, the motorcycle gang um, with, like, Ron Perlman and charlie Hunnam and what have you that's kind of how i know him from like i haven't really seen i haven't really seen him in many movies he has made movies but nothing either of us of most people listening to this would have seen i
1: mean yeah he looked familiar i know that i've probably seen him in a couple different things but uh honestly i couldn't just point my finger and say oh yeah it was this this or this um it more than likely was probably just a trailer for that for sons of anarchy i assume but i i'm i'm pretty sure he's had a a movie career i just you recognize him if if you saw him sort of thing so uh like 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 plaza i think he's fits perfectly in this movie
0: yeah because i don't think either of them are bringing too much into it you know what i mean like if you had to put i don't know you had to put scarlett johansson in this movie sometimes it's difficult to turn off that's scarlett johansson you know what i mean even though she has done that and like under the skin or whatever but but that's the point of Under the Skin, it's that it's Scarlett Johansson. The point is that you have this celebrity in Scotland, you know what I mean? Which is like, <laughs> that. it's purposefully done. But he's an interesting guy, and I think the reason why is because, so this is pretty interesting, so he was born in Staten Island, he is of Italian, Spanish, Syrian, and North African descent. And I think that's key because He has that kind of, like, ability. I think he's a really good actor, by the way, too. I'm like going to preface it by saying that. But he has that very, like, he can adapt to, yeah, so he could play Hispanic in a role. He could also play, like, Middle Eastern, you know what I mean? Because he has that look. He's got a really cool look to him, where he's kind of, like, he's very, like, fluid in terms of his ethnicity, so he can kind of blend and play different things. And I think, I hope he starts doing a bit more, like, you know, he's 47 now. He's born 1975. Doesn't look 47. He looked pretty good. So again, he's very flexible. I I, I really like to see him do more things because I think he's quite a talent, actually. So that's pretty much, there's nobody else of note, really, casting-wise. Like, I mean, Gina Gershon's in it.
1: For a split second, yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of one of those, like, is that Gina Gershon or is that Courtney Cox at first? Because at first I was like, that's Courtney Cox. And I'm like, they kind of melded into one person over time with those people. But that's about it, really.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, that that's it and it, we just follow um Emily in her kind of desperate situation to get uh out from under this debt that she has and this uh this record that follows her around from job to job. Uh have you ever cuz this is a, this has never happened to me. One I don't I don't have a record. Um I don't know about you, master criminal, but um <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure employee employers do background checks but i have never had an employer during an interview question me about something very personal um during an interview and it comes up a couple times in, in the movie um I, I always i always all of my interviews are very kind of almost impersonal in a way, you know, it's, it's very like, uh, why do you want to work here? What skills do you have? You're selling yourself and it's, it's not very, what happened here? What, why, why do you have this on your record or anything like that? I've never, I've never been in a, in a situation where it was like, I was almost being interrogated in an interview. That's, that's never happened to me.
0: Yeah, me too. I think that's like, I don't know if that's an overreach on behalf of the movie to to give like dramatic stakes to the to so we know that emily is crippled with student debt so she's trying to get more money to obviously make her payments and have a basic quality of life now you can't do that when you work like doordash or whatever you know which is pretty much what she's doing so we do see her go to a couple of interviews and, and it's kind of bookending the movie really between her decisions that she ultimately ends up taking there's an interview at the, the very beginning of the movie, which sets a scene. And then there's like a pivotal interview later on in the movie that would really change the course of the movie again. So it, it it's like one interview sets her on the path that she's going on. And then the second interview is kind of like her last chance to pull away from the lifestyle that she has or that the way that she's developed.
1: Yeah, it would swish her path totally. Yeah.
0: So they're both kind of pivotal in terms of like her choices that she makes. But in both interviews, yeah, they do go, specifically the first one, he does, he, he goes through her criminal background history. Now, this isn't a spoiler for the movie, but we've become aware that she has two charges. She has a DUI that she caught when she was younger, in which is the usual college, drunk, had too much drinks, ran a red light kind of situation. Much unfortunately is typical it shouldn't be, because drink driving is not a good thing at all. But the second one that she has, she has an aggravated assault charge that has been on her record, which the movie, we're not going to explain now, because when, when we get into spoilers, we'll talk about that. But to, to what you said, yeah, I think it depends on the industry. So like, say for example, industry that we're in right now, interviews for us are like when we interview, it's basically, is this person got the right personality? Is this person got the right experience? Can I see myself working with this person? I'll hire this person. But... All of the other stuff, the background check is left to human resources. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't, A, I think it would be pretty unprofessional to do that. Depending on the industry, yeah, you wouldn't even handle anything like that. You just say, yeah, I like this person. And then HR is like, well, we can't hire this person because they don't meet our criteria. Yeah, it it
1: would seem like it, it was something that would happen in the background. You know, once it kind of pops up, they might kind of look at it, assess it, and then be like, uh, it's a little bit kind of cagey. We're gonna pass. We'll send them a letter. Thank you for uh, uh, interest in our company. We're gonna go a different direction, sort of thing. I don't. I can't imagine that, like uh, a background check, unless it was like s- something like TSA, something like Homeland Security, some something like government, something like that. Maybe something like that would come up, um, or you would have to explain it a little bit further but for just kind of a basic uh, clerical job i don't i don't i don't buy it i don't i don't think that would happen
0: no i don't think it would either i think it would be i don't even think you'd get to the point of an interview they probably just wouldn't offer you an interview if they'd run the the background check pre beforehand but yeah you're right tsa or something like that you're not even getting in the fucking door you know what i mean you have to have like a squeaky clean record it's just interesting i think it's it's obviously there to like double down on the stakes into not only make like present you with somebody who's in a desperate situation and then compound that by making it obvious that they're to us immediately that this person doesn't really have many options what because at first you'd be like well why don't you just work two jobs why don't you like go and live with your mum and dad or like you know what I mean cut down on your why you're living in Los Angeles like paying a fortune in rent save all that money in rent and then stop paying it off so in our head we'd be problem solving for her but they're kind of like solidifying that straight away by it's not that easy. You know what I mean? We're kind of corralling Emily, the character into this path that she has to take, which is this life of crime. No spoilers, obviously.
1: Which is funny because that kind of comes up when she meets her girlfriend at the, at the bar. Who's, who's kind of, kind of a shitty person, uh, through and through the entire movie where she's like, you know what? I might go back home. Cause she's from the East coast. You find out she's from the East coast. I might go back home. And, and try and uh, live with my dad again and uh, just to kind of get uh, a, a grasp on probably her financial difficulties and just kind of maybe a reset, you know, like a, like she can reset the whole system and and come at it clean again. Um, but her friend is like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm going to help you out here. I'm going to set you up. It's like be realistic about the situation. Sort of thing, you know. You know what you can accomplish, and you know what you can't accomplish, and you're just, you're just kind of given a bit of false hope because you know who your friend is. So I don't know.
0: You know, normally how we start the episodes, or like we have a tendency of doing where we're like, okay, here's three movies that movies about people or whatever it, that would be tied in. We're not going to do that this episode, but I was thinking about it. So like, there's this running thing in like crime thrillers of the notion of we're going to take an ordinary person and we're going to, and then that ordinary person is forced into a life of crime or some criminal event in order to get out of a situation that they, you know what I mean? That they're stuck in. So it's like, there's a ton. So like when I was looking at like Fargo, for example, oh my God, there's, there's so many, it's like ordinary person gets sucked into something and basically has to try and like adapt. And I was thinking, and, and the list goes on and on. I'm, I just used Fargo as the first one that popped in my head. Um, but I was going to ask you too. And I think, I think I understand it is the reason these movies are popular and the reason we like to watch movies like these is because it's one thing when you watch a crime thriller about a gang of master criminals. So like Heat, for example, where you're like, these are professional, top of the line, professional, baked in criminals. They've spent their whole life doing this. They've all served time. Trained criminals. That's one thing. There's something exciting about the fact of us living vicariously through these characters, and also it's the what if. It's like, what would I do in this situation? And I think that's where the the appeal of these kind of movies comes from. Like a simple plan or, or whatever. It's like, shit. What would I do? You know what I mean? And then so the whole movie, it kind of like, well, I would do this, and I would get her. But the reality is, is none of us would do any of it because we're not really we've obviously never went down that path it's
1: it's kind of along the same lines of those movies where it's like ordinary guy is protecting his home accidentally kills someone guess what you're in prison now so and you're you're gonna become the kingpin of the prison no you're not
0: (laughs) but it's like kind of like a wish fulfillment thing not in, in a way or like it's role play in a way where role playing as emily whilst watching emily go through what she does and that's what we do in all of these movies and i think that's the appeal of them and it's such an interesting like genre of movies and it's very for the most part most of them are pretty successful even if the movie's not good because it's so compelling the idea that you would you know like yeah essentially cosplay or role play is this character that you're watching and that's the draw so it needs two things for it to be a really good movie because that's enticing enough as it is that you you have the hook we've already got us hooked how do you deliver you know how do you how do you like hammer that home yeah without moralizing too because i i don't like it when these movies moralize like it's one thing to be like oh wouldn't this be exciting if you would like you know ooh, what would you do wouldn't it be crazy but then don't give me some kind of moralistic takedown but they'll always usually have that kind of ending too they'll always usually have that ending where it's like you want to play a criminal, you get the fucking consequences. You know what I mean? Nobody gets away scot-free. But I kind of like it. I think it should be more open than that because I don't want to be... Yeah, I don't want the movie to moralize something to me and be like, oh, crime is bad.
1: Yeah, I don't think this movie moralized anything. Do you?
0: Oh, it doesn't. No, it no, doesn't. But I think, no. that's, I think that's what is interesting about this movie is I think sometimes... It's nice to have something where it can be a bit more vague and a bit more like it doesn't have to be black and white. It doesn't have to be crime bad following the path good. You know, like that. It doesn't need to be that like uh, binary of a of a of a moral situation because it's not really binary.
1: It's very situational. Like like um, she is her character isn't like okay if i do this i'm a bad person and uh people will think ill of me and they'll be able to just kind of spot me from out of nowhere cuz i i you know i do bad now so i'm an evil person it's never really like that it's she's very kind of aware of the situation um and the entire time she is questioning it but i don't think she's questioning it from a moral standpoint She's more questioning the stuff that she's doing from a safety standpoint. And it's like, okay, what am I getting into? What are the risks? Um, I need the money. And she kind of sets aside any kind of morality in it. It's it's very much, I don't want to say primal, but but it is very much of the situation. Okay, from from A to Z, how am I getting out of the situation how how am I getting in the situation what's happening in the middle of the situation it's very kind of plan oriented and at every point she's like okay I'm just, I'm going to stop at this point I'm not going to go any further but when she sees that um, she's having a bit of success uh in what she's doing then it's like okay I'm going to I'll build on it I'll build on it and in in all situations there's always a bit of danger involved but she very much kind of rolls with it sometimes overcomes it sometimes not i mean there's there's never a point where she is completely unscathed in
0: any situation it, it's very grounded you know within reason for for it being like a a movie you know yeah i'm interested if you read anything was this based on a true story it's like, I haven't, there's no information that I saw that it's based on a true story.
1: No, no, I don't, I don't think it is. I think it's just, it's, it's probably something that, uh, does happen in Oh yeah. like larger cities, like black markets. And I, I would say it's not out of the realm of being close to a true story. Um, probably with the exception of the ending, uh, but it, everything, Everything very much seems plausible. There's nothing in here that seems out of the realm of any sorts of possibility. It's ha- it's probably happening right now somewhere. So.
0: so to break down the plot a little bit, Emily, living in Los Angeles, we know that she's in debt. She was an artist, a painter. So I'm guessing she did some kind of bogus art course.
1: MFA, like BFA.
0: And she's basically working as, it looks to me, like a doordash type situation where it's for, but it's for catering. So people would call up in a do in like for all of these like startup offices or business businesses and parties and stuff. So she does that. So we know that she's like kind of scraping by. She has two roommates or one roommate who lives with her partner. So again, she's kind of like, she'll come home from a long day at work. She gets locks herself in a room, starts to draw. She's kind of like, she's aware of her situation. I'm trying not to give too many spoilers about this, but she ends up, through one of her co-workers at the food delivery place, he gives her a, he gives her a number and he goes, here, call this number if you want to make $200 in an hour. I did it, you know, as, as kind of a favor to her because she picks up one of his shifts. So he's like, hey, just do this. You get 200 bucks in an hour. It's not that big of a deal. She checks it out. She calls the number and she goes down. And basically what they do is they have this operation where they're called dummy shoppers. So basically it's a criminal organization that somehow, I'm guessing through the, the dark web or whatever, buys a whole list of credit card numbers they basically buy and then what they do is with those credit card numbers they make dummy or like fake credit cards with those real numbers so it's real credit card numbers but they they use them on um, fake cards and they make fake ids and what they pay these people to do is they say we'll give you two hundred dollars for an hour and what you do is you just need to go into like an electronic store this is a list of the kind of things that we want you to buy usually it's like big screen tvs just buy a TV with this credit card, bring it outside. We pick up the TV and we'll give you $200 for your day's work because we'll sell the TV for like $400, $500, you know what I mean? So everybody's making profit off this down the line. And it's just a one-time thing. Pretty much, they just they don't use the same shop regularly for safety reasons, obviously. They don't want to have the same person going back to the same stores. And then, so you get a lot of these people who just do it for one time. It seems like a low-risk crime, relatively. And then you can get in and out and make a quick buck. Now she does this hesitantly and she goes into it but she she ends up going through with it and then one thing leads to another and she starts to progress down this criminal fraternity and she starts to get kind of ingrained in its operation and learning exactly how the operation works. She also strikes up a relationship with the character we just mentioned before which is Theo Rossi's character and he's kind of like there's two people running this and I think they're brothers. If not, they're projected as brothers. So it's two guys running this operation and he's very enigmatic. The movie kind of telegraphs immediately that like he sees something in Emily and Emily basically starts to follow this guy's advice and he kind of takes her under his wing and starts to train her up as the movie goes on. That's about all I'm going to say about what happens before we get into spoilers, because I think anything more is just going to, because there's not too much happens in this movie, but I don't want to like spoil any of the events later on but that's kind of the premise of the movie and we're following her as she's learning and it's interesting cuz watching it i was like obviously as i mentioned before the point of the the movie is to be like ooh what would i do oh that would be crazy would i go and do that dummy shopping thing eric would you
1: no no
0: no i, I wouldn't do it i wouldn't no, do it at all no
1: i mean let's see let me let me put myself in her situation i am crippled with debt i have um couple roommates probably not close to them i have a kind of a a low-end job that barely helps me scrape by i'm probably i'm by myself no i i mean i would just get a second job i would try and kind of keep moving up something like that it's just not i i would worry too much about kind of my freedom at that point like like uh, if I was like desperate, I if anything like happened or anything like that, where I just it just became desperate, I would be like, okay, I'm gonna move somewhere else where maybe there's more opportunity. I'm gonna move out of one of the most expensive cities to live in, um, and then go go to like maybe somewhere smaller, rural, rural that I can start saving. Cost of living is way down. I mean, there's a ton of different things that you can kind of go to um with without kind of starting to become embroiled in kind of a criminal enterprise right mm. oddly enough i i i did have a i did have a friend who was starting to get involved in something like this and i was like uh, i got i got to go <laughs> so, sort of interesting thing. yeah yeah but it was a it was decades ago um and that relationship was severed decades ago so uh, and it's something that I couldn't even believe that he was talking about. So I was like, uh, I'm kind of out of this whole thing.
0: So yeah, I think it would take a lot. It would take, I'm I'm kind of like a rule follower by nature. And I don't know whether that's, I don't know what got ingrained in me when I was a child, but I'm like, I'm very hesitant and fearful of the law quite rightly. So, because I, it's not that I, I, I do not, I don't know. It's just been ingrained in me to not trust anybody to do with the law and to have nothing to do with the law altogether. In which case I would like to just stay well clear of anything that would put me directly in their path for whatever reason, whether it's like going five miles an hour over the speed limit or anything. I want nothing to do. I don't, I don't You know what I mean? So like it would take a lot for me, like a lot.
1: Yeah. The, the consequences for you become different as well. Because you could you could be deported. Is, is oh yeah, totally,
0: <laughs> totally. So I mean, like, there's multiple on multiple levels, but just in general, even if I was just at home or like if I was American or if I was just living in England, like, I, yeah, I don't fuck with the police. I don't want anything to do with them. <laughs> My situation would have to be wild in order for me to step up to that. Now we say this, and like, you never know. Like, I don't want to like preempt anything, and I'm going to knock on wood here, but like, <laughs> no, I don't think I don't think I would. I think there's this this route she could take at this point like you said like get the fuck out of la you know what i mean she mentions that she does have a stepfather i think it is yeah so we know that she doesn't have a lot of family because it's kind of hinted that she's a bit of a loner but yeah she could go and stay with her stepfather back in new jersey where she's from or wherever she's from yeah first things first get the fuck out of la i mean it doesn't matter like i understand you could be like well i'm an artist i need to be in la do mm, you because you're not really drawn right now because you're working all the time so what difference does it make so why don't you get out of la practice and then move back to la and then be the artist because like you know you know yeah i mean it's obviously easy easy to say when you you're looking externally on a situation but it just seems like something i don't think no i, I don't think i would do it not for that level of debt you know what i mean no no it would have to be like I don't know the stakes would have to be a little higher for me before I would start going down the road of
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean that it becomes like a desperate situation. I mean it's I I would think the only way and I, I don't know this is fantastical if anything. The only way that, that I would become kind of embroiled in, in a situation like that it would have to be life and death sort of thing, you know. I'm very practical with everything I do, so I don't really put myself in situations. So,
0: what kind of boring? We needed somebody else on this podcast to be like, <laughs> "Fuck yeah!" I'd be yeah. robbing banks. I'd be like, "You know what I mean?" No, they wouldn't. No, the, no, they, no wouldn't. they
1: wouldn't. No, they wouldn't. No, they wouldn't.
0: No, that nobody that in our in our circle, Eric. I don't <laughs> think we know anybody who would do anything that crazy. <laughs> and, and the people uh, that I do know who would do something that crazy, I don't really hang out with. And I definitely no, probably wouldn't no. have a on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> confessing to their crimes. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you what, then let's do, because I'm anxious to talk about more stuff. So let's get the spoiler free section out of the way. Give me spoiler free. Yeah. Your review.
1: Oh, okay. Um, I really, uh, I did enjoy it quite a bit. I was, um, I was in it right away from, from the beginning. Uh, she did. Uh, Aubrey Plaza did such a, such a great job, very compelling character, uh, very, very, not a morally gray character, because like we said, there, there's not a lot of kind of morals in this situation, but a very, she almost desperate. She plays desperate really well. And and like you, you, you very much get an idea of the situation she's in pretty much five, five to 10 minutes within the movie. Um, so you know you know the stakes right away and you know how she she is trying to get out of her situation trying to better his situation she she makes good decisions she makes bad decisions so uh, the character alone really really carries the story and carries it well um the look of the movie is great I mean if you know anything ab- about um, la it's it, it very much looks like L.A. I don't know if it was shot there, but, I mean, you fooled me sort of thing. The night scenes, we talked about this, were very much reminiscent of Michael Mann, those, those L.A. Michael Mann night shots. Uh, you get that vibe right away, even with some of the music that's used. The relationship between the two characters is very believable. Their motivations are believable. Um, there's nothing like seriously over the top about what anybody is trying to do. It is a very, it's very grounded in its premise, in the situation. The only, the, my only real critique of the movie is just is the ending, which seems a bit tacked on, just to kind of get a little bit of closure in, in the in uh, a situation, in in the situation that happens. Uh, I didn't find that that the last. Uh, 3 to 5 minutes of explanation of what happened was necessary um but it it doesn't ruin the movie for me. So I mean I'm I'm a solid like like 8 8.0, you know? I mean uh, I it's a movie that I would really enjoy watching again just to kind of see the performances cuz I I think it's worth it.
0: Yeah, I'm going to pretty much fall exactly where you are on it. Um I would say usually when we come out of a theater together we watch a movie I always try to, like, guess, like, where you are at with the movie. So in my head, I'll be like, I wonder if I... And, like, I was pretty confident that I thought you would like this about as much as I did. And I was pretty confident that I thought you would enjoy just because, of, you know, like, I know what kind of movies you like. I know that you like noirish thrillers in, in L.A. Yeah. Which I do, too. And I think L.A. has to be the most cinematic location of all. I think... Oh, I, it just... It is... It feels like that is to me because, like, anything set in LA, I just I'm automatically drawn to watching it. I don't know why. It's just a very beautiful city. And it's a and I think it just I don't know, there's something about it. And again, like you said, the Michael Mann connection, the Michael Mann influence run. And I wish I'd I'd found out more information about the director or managed to like read an interview with him or or something to get a bit more of a clue because Michael Mann's all over this movie and it becomes more apparent as the movie goes on when it hits about the halfway mark you're like oh we're in Mann territory right now you know what I mean yeah because yeah the soundtrack so like yeah I'm I'm gonna go exactly what you said I'm about eight I would say out of ten I highly recommend the movie to everybody I can't wait to watch it again I feel like it's a movie that I really enjoy second watch not because it's going to change anything or open up anything just because like you said, to to spend a bit more time with the characters because the characters are what sells this movie. Yeah, I think Theo Rossi's character and Aubrey Plaza's uh, Emily, the titular Emily, they both give really really excellent performances. And there's a very tender, like there's a tenderness between those characters that I really really like too. And and the, their relationship develops in a way that I was like I thought was like interesting and genuine and and, and done in a way that didn't feel like. Forced or like hammy or anything like that, or unnecessary to the plot of the story. I feel like it worked very well. Okay, so if I had to say, yeah, so positives: the photography's great, the soundtrack's great, the performances are very, very strong. The writing's good. The movie just doesn't stick the landing. And to go back to, and we'll get into that later on. But to mirror what you said, it just doesn't. It doesn't stick the landing. It almost does, but there's a few things that happen specifically with the Theo Rossi character and the actual ending shots of the movie that i think kind of betray the movie a little bit and kind of take it in away away from where i think the movie deserves to end up it's almost like it's tricky and we'll talk about it but yeah eight out of ten let's get out of this you know that we both like the movie and we'll, we'll start talking about it. so when we come back after the break we're gonna go deep dive let's talk spoilers i just don't want to like i don't want to give too much away accidentally because i have a tendency to like give spoilers without trying to give spoilers (laughs) yeah so join us after the break guys
1: All right, and we're back from our break. I don't know what music was playing. I'm thinking it's probably, what is it, Yakety sacks? What is that, Benny Hill or something like that? Oh, God. If (laughs) if I could
0: get away with using it, then I would use it, but we'll probably get sued. (laughs) Unless it's royalty free.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we're going to get into the spoiler section of this, so... Go and watch the movie and then come back and then enjoy our hot takes on it. So uh, what about the movie did you find plausible? And what did you find kind of implausible? Or what do you think worked? What do you think didn't work with either the characters or um, what was going on uh, throughout
0: the plot? Character-wise, in terms of how the characters develop, Yusuf, he to me, his his arc feels believable because the actions that he takes later on in the movie, um, so basically Yusuf gets ripped off, you know, and it loses all of his money, which kind of like makes Emily double down and like she's obviously at this point formed a relationship with him and she cares about him. So everything to do with Yusuf, I kind of I that that tracks for me and it makes sense in terms of how he develops, Emily's not so cut and dry. So like Emily's progression for me from I her picking up the dummy shopper gig, that makes sense to me. I I mean, obviously not something I would do, but I could see her doing it. I think there's like a, and they have to make this work within the, the space of the movies only like an hour and a half, but I feel like she progresses
1: really fast.
0: Yeah. And like really fast. And it'll just kind of like, it goes from one thing. So basically the, the initial scam, the dummy shopping fine, when she starts to pick it up on herself and starts running numbers herself and, and doing the shopping herself and she starts selling it, you know, she meets those two guys in the parking lot and she kind of like sets up like, I'll bring the TVs to you. I'll buy the TVs. You guys pick up the TVs. So she starts kind of moving through a lot more product. That's fine. Even to the point where she gets mugged, you know, that she meets a guy on Craigslist and he comes back with his like, crackhead wife and then they like hold her, hold her up and rob her money when she goes back after him and she and she maces him that's fine because like she's at this point now where she's kind of at a breaking point and she's also been like hey i've risked so much for this i'm going to protect it and i want to fight for it fair enough it's after that when she starts when the yusuf situation happens it's after that for me that it goes a little too, she goes you know what i mean it's one thing for her to be protective of her money and just running the TV. But it's another thing where she's like, we're going to rob these people and we're going to show up at this house and I'm going to like, tase this guy and we're going to put him in the the trunk of the car. Like it, it escalates a little, I think a little too fast.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that makes sense. It's, it's one thing to be like, okay, I'm going credit card fraud, credit card fraud, setting up a credit card fraud empire. I'm basically stealing a car. I'm buying a car illegally, um, from some sketchy guys. Um, I'm starting to kind of grow this empire, uh, over time. And yeah, the, the natural progression, the, the progression starts to happen, but yeah, because I think, I think with the time constraints, we don't get to kind of see, see that progression as much as, like if we had two hours uh, with it, then we, we might get a little bit more kind of uh, character building with her, uh, as far as her crimes go. Um, but yeah, from that you go to, you go uh, you go assault, you go kidnapping, you go attempted murder, you go uh, aggravated theft, uh, you go close to murder almost, you know. So um, yeah. Yeah, um, and with, I mean, with it, which is fine, which is fine because, like you said, it's an hour and a half long. We can only get so much information in there. Um, so what they did present was was believable, and I did like it. But also simultaneously, it's like yeah, it would have been it would have been even more uh, believable and plausible if we got just a little bit more kind of. Um, uh, scenes of, of of criminal activity that's happening, so we learn how she is kind of honing those skills. Um, because it's one thing to go from go from credit card fraud to tasing someone and robbing them because they kind of did you wrong. I mean, you don't you you don't just go from from one thing to Robert De Niro heat style master criminal in a short amount of time. that that's a that's a progression over time situation and the movie the timeline of it i i want to say is probably less less than a year less than six months when everything goes down
0: i was actually going to ask you that question next yeah how long do you think it goes over time
1: i would say six to eight months maybe
0: maybe yeah because she does yeah probably in which case he had to condense it down in an hour and a half i was thinking this is the kind of narrative that would probably work well on a TV show, like a one-season TV show on HBO Max, where you do like Emily the Criminal, eight episodes, you know what I mean, and then they dive into her backstory, and then they dive into you know what I mean, and we see that gradual increase, but obviously we can't do that. So I think yeah, I think it's I think it's it's plausible without being, but it does get to the point where it it pushes it a little, but nothing egregious, nothing like wild. We never see her like. Dual wielding guns like John Woo style, jumping across a room or anything, you know.
1: From my recollection, there's not any guns involved,
0: is there? No, nobody uses a gun to my knowledge. Uh, you don't see a gun in the movie.
1: Yeah, there's that part where Yusef is like, "Okay, I'm gonna start kind of training you," and little little benoised to anybody else who's involved is uh, he starts training her how to create these credit cards because he's like. Because usually the 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 case is like we get these shoppers in, it's one and done, and then we get a new batch in, it's one and done. So nothing leads back to the main group. Well, when he starts developing a relationship and he sees that she has a bit of kind of hustle to her, and uh, maybe he's probably attracted to her as well, and she has some potential, then uh, he's like, okay, this is what you do. He gets her a card machine, he gets her a set of numbers. And then there's a point where he's like, oh, yeah, you'll need this, too. And he reaches into this different cabinet. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, he's going to give her a gun sort of thing. But that's not it. He gives her a taser. And he's, and he's like, just in case, you know, things kind of go sideways, use this. Um, because she was like, oh, I have mace. So I'll use mace. And he was like, no, use this instead. Um, which does kind of come up later on when she is robbed at her house because she breaks one of the one of the rules which is never bring never have any a client show back up at your apartment because they'll know where you live sort of deal um but then she kind of she she kind of deals with that situation as it ha- as it's happening because that basically takes her she gets all her money stolen uh she gets she was house, she was pet sitting for her friend, she, her pet gets stolen. So it's just like, she's of the mindset where it's like they keep taking and taking and taking and never getting anything back. And you don't you don't get what you need unless you take it too. So I think that's, that's her character progression when it's like, okay, I'm going to start taking the way that everybody else is taking sort of thing. So um, from there, you kind of see that progression and that progression leads to, Yusef, when he gets ripped off, um, she's already kind of dealt with this situation and she's like, okay, this is what we have to do because I never got the impression that Yusef was a violent person or he, yeah, he had a plan. He was like, I'm trying to get to a certain price point, then I'm out because he's trying to buy an apartment complex. And renovate it and rent it out. And then that is his out at that point. Um, but everything kind of goes sideways from there.
0: Yeah, Youssef is presented very enigmatically at the beginning because you're like, oh, who's this guy? He's kind of mysterious. But then he, he, he kind of, as he opens up and he opens up to Emily, he's like a, a bit of a teddy bear really. And he's and he's like, and he's a, we were introduced to Yusef's mother and you see that tenderness between him and his mother. And then obviously as Emily strikes up a relationship with Yusef, which at no point felt forced to me and at no point felt it never felt ridiculous and it, it felt like kind of natural and in a way i was kind of rooting for yousef and emily because in a way there's these are two people who are like fundamentally well i would say he's fundamentally a good person the jury's out on emily whether she's a good person or not i don't know if emily really is a good person i don't think she really is but yousef especially as their relationship develops you kind of you're rooting for emily anyway because we're following her whether or not you think she's a good person and then you start to root for yousef too because like he just wants to have this apartment building so his mother can live there. He wants to give his mother one of the apartments. It's he's just a, he's a he's a he's a tender, sweet, nice person, and he's like caring, and he's obviously just caught in He's making money the only way he knows how to make money, and I'm guessing under probably the influence of his cousin Khalil, who is the more nefarious kind of traditional gangster type, who has like henchmen and you know like the usual like criminal trappings. And I get a feeling that he was going along with Khalil and Khalil just saw Youssef as like a pushover. He was like, oh, he's you know what I mean? He's soft, he's too soft for this game. I don't like him hanging out with Emily. Emily's gonna put us in jeopardy, which she does because like you said, she messes up twice in two big in ways. One, selling on Craigslist and taking people back to her apartment, which she knew not to do. And then she learned the hard way. But then secondly, she starts shopping at the same store more than once in a week with the, the, the fake cards. And she gets flagged immediately and then so khalil obviously i understand khalil's motivations too because khalil whilst he is a straight-up gangster he is smart enough to realize that emily is a threat to his business and so is Youssef at this point because you is compromised because he's basically in love with emily you know so the and then and i think when we were talking about it before like how i don't think the movie sticks a landing is i think that when they they it's tragic that Yusef ends up dying, but the fact that she just walks away from him so fast also makes makes it a bit more clear as to who Emily is, that she's a bit, it's a bit grayer. Like, Emily, I don't think fundamentally is that good of a person. And when she leaves Yusef, un- understandably she does, but she doesn't seem to be grieving him at all when Youssef passes.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think she did have feelings for him. Um... I think she did have very kind of uh, genuine feelings for him in the beginning, in the middle, um, by the end when everything is kind of turned on its head um, and the situation becomes desperate and she realizes that one, I think Yusuf kind of lies a bit to her about... about uh, motivations and information is being kept from her or or um maybe he has said something about her to to his cousin, then that that kind of put a puts a damper on on maybe her feelings or the or the situation of, of their relationship. Um, yeah, and then there's there is that point where it's like she goes, eventually her friend does get her an interview uh, in the company and that's that kind of that's that point where it can go one way or the other she can go down the path where it's like she can be a kind of a corporate intern uh, employee where she's probably doing something a little bit more in her field of art graphic design and kind of working her way up in the in that corporate ladder which she is not equipped to do because she she's not a people person which you can tell uh, throughout the movie in the earlier parts, or she can go with uh, Youssef when he kind of comes up with the plan of, okay, my cousin's going to betray us. He doesn't trust you. What we're going to do is we're going to rip him off first. And then once that kind of turns on its head, uh, and then you find out that the cousin does a kind of double sneak situation where he he takes everything away from Yusef before he, that Yusef gets a chance, a little double cross action. Then she's like, okay, I'm in. Then then at that point she has bought full end. She's gone down the path where, where it's like, okay, now I'm a criminal, um, all the way, like, like, like feet first, no turning back situation. We're going to rob this whole, this whole kind of gang and we're going to run it ourselves. Um, which is not very, not very plausible in a sense that what what was the outcome going to be? They're going to take everything, take all the money, take all the merchandise, and sell it in L.A. where you don't have a team other than you and Youssef. It's just it's going to be pretty sketchy for a while. Um, but things things turn out where where it's like she she's the one that takes control. She's the one that starts like tasing people and breaking in and holding, not holding like a uh, straight razors or, or a box cutter to, to the cousin's throat to find out where the money is. And by that point, Youssef is almost dead because he's got a, he got hit in the head. So at that point, after that point, it's like, okay, she gets out. She's, she's separated from the whole situation. She had to leave him behind at that point, you're like, okay, it can end here. She got away. It's probably going to go one way for her, but then they do that kind of tacked-on ending that wasn't necessary. Um, but I don't know. I do. I do think that she had feelings for him, but I think by the end, she realized her situation wasn't going to be anything other than she needs to get the money and get out and get on her own.
0: Yeah, it was like a fight or flight uh, kicked in where she's like it's done now there's there's probably no point crying over spilt milk like this has changed fundamentally changed the course of my life like i can no longer be in la i have to go on the run which is fine which is fine like you're right though the notion is like we will we will rob khalil somehow khalil who's got like five bodyguards we'll figure out how to do that and then what's he going to do because it's obvious that yusef is robbing him so like they're wearing disguises or anything and Khalil knows it's them. So what's Youssef just going to like take that money, drive 15 minutes back across town and then pay for his, up uh, to his mom where Khalil knows his mother and visits his mother regularly. And then he's just going to like set up in that apartment complex with the money that Khalil knows that he was saving them. Like there's, there's no way out for Yusef either. If Yusef does this, they both have to run, which means Youssef has to leave his mother and they both have to leave. And then, like, which I guess that is probably what they would have to do, because they're both desperate at that point. They're both fucked. He's just, like, he's been bottomed out. He's got nothing. She's been, did all of this for nothing, essentially, because she doesn't get, like, all of her money's gone, because the money's tied up with Yusef. So, like, I suppose they both have to just deal with the fact that if they pull this off, then they need to, like, fucking leave forever.
1: They would, too, because I totally, I totally just remembered that the sheriffs, the LA sheriffs already know about her. Because they raid her house, I forgot about that. Yeah,
0: so like they are both at this point totally fucked. They have to leave, and obviously, I think part of me, the romantic part of me, other like hopeless romantic, would be like, "Yeah, I'd like to see them go off," and you know what I mean. But I think Yusef's too good; he's too good for Emily. That's it, you know, <laughs> Emily's not to be trusted. But the ending, though, and I think that I think the ending for me was a bit egregious. So obviously, it's not my job to rewrite the movie, and and we can only talk about the movie that we're given. Not the movie that we wish. I think, though, of the movie that we're given, we're given about two scenes too many.
1: Yeah, that's fair.
0: In the fallout of the heist on Khalil, where she, we, so basically we see her, she's, doesn't have a car, she gets on the bus and she has a bag full of money after she wipes the blood off her face. For me, for me, good time to end the movie. Or as it transpires, we see her move and obviously she's been, I'm guessing it must have been somewhere without extradition. So where does she go like
1: she goes to South America I thought.
0: South America yeah so there's got a, I think there's a handful of places in, in South America that don't have extradition. I'm not sure which ones they are but she, she knows she's in some South African sorry South, South American like village by the beach and then because we see her she leaves her apartment and she starts walking down the street and she's got like a, her summer clothes on and, and she looks like rested and tanned and like a little bit of time has passed again good time to end the movie you know what i mean like that's a happy ending in a way and then yeah and if you end it on the on the bus when she gets on the bus it's far more ambiguous because we don't know what's going to happen we don't know where she's going to end up she might get caught by the police because we see the police raiding her house so that's a bit more of an edgy ending okay fair enough so then the happy ending would be seeing her walking down the street in south america there but it goes one scene too far i think eric
1: And that is where she, you get that kind of introduction where she is basically taking the job of Yusuf and training a new batch of people, being kind of going into the credit card fraud game. I have so many questions about that. One is, how does she have a base of operations right away, where where she can get all these people to kind of come in, these fake shoppers to come in? How does she know how? how and where to get the credit card numbers how does she understand that technology to kind of infiltrate maybe the dark web or whatever to get credit card numbers that's a certain skill how does she have the equipment in a foreign place that she hasn't been I'm assuming it's been a year maybe less time has passed so she has that equipment already there's just a lot of kind of a a lot of kind of loose ends that kind of happen at that ending point i mean she gives she gives pretty much the exact same speech that that khalil gave to everybody else in the beginning of the movie um that i i kind of didn't buy in that situation you know that you know that she's a criminal you didn't have to actually go that one step further to say okay she's a criminal for life now this is her life's path that's all she's ever gonna do where the, I think the better ending would have been, okay, she did this very criminal uh, course of events that kind of defined her a bit. She got away with it. She got away with the heist sort of thing. Now she is free to kind of pursue whatever she wants to pursue and everything's going to be okay. It, it, instead, we kind of get like, no, she is bought full into just being a criminal and that's it.
0: According to the Wikipedia, we don't know that Yusef dies. She abandons Yusef.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was I wasn't 100% sure that that he did die because he got hit on the head, it knocked him out, and then um she was helping carrying him to the car. He sits in the car, then he starts I he blacks out. Now, he can either do one, he could black out or he could be dead. You don't really get kind of closure in that situation.
0: Interesting so what if so yeah so there's a bit there's a passing of time definitely from when we first see her in south south america walking down the alleyway which i i propose as a good point to end the movie the next scene when we see her giving basically yeah repeating youssef's speech even his mannerism she's just basically turned full youssef at this point she's saying hey if you want to step up, her hair's noticeably longer i would say probably like almost double in length because she has a big ponytail so time has passed but what if that scene was happening, and as the camera pulled out and was showing everybody sitting there, then Yousef sitting, standing behind it, oh, it's beside, sitting beside. That it.
1: would have been better. At least that I think that would have been. I think I that would that would have been a little bit more acceptable. But also no, because if he if he if he's blacked out in the car, he's getting scooped up by the cops. He's going through the court system. He's in prison. That whole situation. Not enough time has passed at that point.
0: Oh yeah, and like again, that, that it's funny you say that too, because then again, that just ultimately shows who she is too, because she just leaves him, and he's going to take the fall for that whole thing. That thing that was Emily's idea. It was Emily's idea to rob Khalil, so he would ultimately end up taking the fall for it, you're correct? And then that guy's just life in prison or whatever, and then she's off sunning herself on the beach.
1: He he could get deported back to wherever he came from,
0: more than likely. Yeah. Yeah, I just it, it just doesn't. I don't know. It's a missed opportunity. I think. yeah
1: the, the the ending doesn't stick, but I think ultimately that ending doesn't deter from the entire package that we're given. I exactly. It, it, yeah. It's, exactly. It's such a kind of a thrill ride, and uh, it's it's a it's a really good thriller that happens that is very much character centric, and and they pull it off in such a way that everything is believable to a point and but it is acceptable
0: just looking at it here and i don't know how accurate this number is but we are the movie's been out for a week now so we're into a, a full week of theatrical release it's only taken 1.4 million dollars which is not a lot of money i'm guessing this movie probably costs like 15 to 20 maybe it's 20 plus million dollars to make give give, give or take. I really hope it gets a bit more of a, an audience, and I think this is kind of movie not to be pro streaming. But I think if they had released this as a Netflix original, I think way more people would have seen it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think this movie succeeds in in the um, in the either digital rental or streaming platforms far more than uh, theatrical, because there there's just I mean, there's still. Top Gun is still selling out in the theaters, still. So there's there is room for smaller movies like this, but then also there's not. Um, it when it's it's still Top Gun and what else? You know what else is big right now? Yeah, I mean pretty much
0: nothing right now.
1: I mean Elvis is still playing. <laughs> so
0: yeah, don't get me wrong or Eric wrong because I think I speak for Eric on this too we're not saying that this movie shouldn't be getting a theatrical lease like, I'm super happy that I saw it in the theater rather than at home. And like, I want to see all of these kind of movies in theaters. This is just Eric and I, and you guys listening to the show, obviously are probably like-minded where we want to see smaller movies like this on the big screen. And like, what's nice is that we still can. I just think that unfortunately movies like this would perform better at home.
1: It succeeds on, on a smaller scale. Because this isn't a this isn't a spectacle. You could watch it like on a, your nice television, and you're going to get the same amount of entertainment from it. Um, I think. I think.
0: Yeah, I think. Unless that unless unless obviously like the theatrical experience is special to you, and like you know that definitely elevates it. But in terms of like, does the movie play on both screens? Yes, it definitely plays on both screens pretty effectively. I think overall, eight out of ten for me. Eight out of ten for Eric. Yeah. And uh, one day we'll actually settle on a grading system or a rating yeah. system because sometimes it's three out of five, yeah. sometimes it's like you know what I mean, eight out of ten, seven out of ten. We don't have a scale on which to rate movies.
1: Yeah, we have to uh, we have to think tank it. I think a little bit. Um, we do have a. If you listen to this point, we do have an Instagram page. If you have a idea of what kind of like rating system that you would like you can always just drop a comment on um on one of the posts and then we'll kind of think tank it a little bit
0: use the voicemail that we uh, if you listen through spotify there should be a link to go to leave us a voicemail um let us know because it would be nice to like i don't know i think it's interesting like i think it's it's pointless and i know a lot of uh publications are moving away from the the, the number scale in terms of like they're just they're like not even using a grading system at all. There's like no A, Bs or Cs, no out of fives, out of tens. Like a lot of a lot of places are just moving away. Like we recommend this movie and this is why, you know, to keep it a bit more, which I kind of like, um, but I'm also a sucker for a rating. I'm a sucker for a rating.
1: Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm a Siskel and Ebert generation, so it's like the thumbs up, thumbs down sort of thing. So yeah. Yeah
0: okay yeah we'll think tank we'll come up with a good system like an official movies last night ratings scheme standard we'll standardize the ratings um but yeah it's a high recommend from both of us especially if i mean you're running out of time now but like your art house theater is probably going to have it on for another week amc i guess you may be out shit out of luck right now but definitely catch it and then all what just wait get get it when it comes out on streaming it will probably be one of those like six dollar rentals like those you know what i mean premium rentals but definitely rent it definitely watch it i'm very excited to see what aubrey plaza does in the future i hope she kind of continues doing this and does less of the shitty i know she's got to pay bills though and i'm sure she because of her comedic chops she's always going to get roles in comedies and she probably enjoys doing it but i i i think this is branching out into like she's there's room for her here i would definitely put aubrey plaza i don't think she's as good an actress as rebecca hall but i could you could push aubrey plaza into rebecca hall type roles because they're, they're they're quite similar in terms of like they have a distinct look they're kind of unconventional they could you know what I mean she could definitely work I don't think she's as good an actress as Rebecca Hall but then again I think Rebecca hall's the in my opinion the best working actress in Hollywood right now so but you know what I mean I think she there's Avenues for her
1: yeah before we take off I wanted to kind of uh shout out a I think it's cool it, it, I mean if you're into film and I kind of came across this uh Insta this Instagram account uh a while ago and it's and it he's really kind of doing a lot of fun things and it's called um The Dance of Cinema. And what yeah and what he's done, I mean if you love movies, I think you'll you'll really kind of love uh what he's doing with it. He he's doing these uh these kind of like March Madness bracket movie brackets and and he just did one for like, like the best film of all time. And there was like 32 brackets and it kind of came down to, I don't want to say what it came down to, but it was a lot of fun participating. You can participate uh, in it. Um, but right now he's doing uh, a really good bracket of a 24 versus neon versus criterion. Um, and It's a bunch of different movies, and the main thing is I think he wants to get out is he wants people to really experience and see different types of movies, so uh, that's one way that I recommend it, Um, but once again, it's called The Dance of Cinema. And you'll you'll know it when you get to it because it's it's usually something, something versus something. You go into his stories and then you vote, it's a poll situation. You vote on it, uh, which movie you like more. If you haven't seen one, there's also a thing for that. Like this the most recent one was uh uh Gohira 1954 versus Sound of Metal, you know, or in yeah, Inside Llewellyn Davis versus the Cold War, uh a ghost story versus good time. So you get on there and, and it's just fun. It's kind of like a fun competitive little, uh, Insta account. And he's also a, a, a filmmaker. And I, 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 like the fact that I could kind of just support him with like a like or a participation. And it helps him out a little bit. Um, and, uh, you know, you can tag us and let us, let him know that we kind of led you there. And that would be cool too. But uh, once again, the dance of cinema, it's, it's a fun little kind of Instagram account that I've really been enjoying.
0: Yeah, I second that. Um, there's been a few times me and Eric will, when it comes to a matchup or a, like a competition between two movies, I'll text Eric or Eric will screen capture it and text me and we'll be like, can you believe this, can you believe he's going <laughs> up against that? It? Yeah. And it's funny too, because at this round, so in, in this round that he's doing it, what he's doing, the, the Neon, A24 and Criterion, what I've noticed is you get three options option A, option B, so movie A, movie B, and then haven't seen, um, like haven't seen both or haven't seen enough. And what's funny is about this round is, and you could tell by the amount of people that use Instagram, there's the mass majority, the 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 percentage of people who haven't seen is higher than the people who are voting on the movies for a lot of these, which is quite telling because in the last round when he did it, a lot of like usual Nolan type cinema bro kind of movies were like dominating over over smaller movies or older movies. i know it's over older movies because like as much as i like christopher nolan christopher nolan has never made a single movie as good as the godfather part two like he just hasn't like (laughs) i he hasn't made any movies as good as goodfellas he just hasn't like
1: yeah, there was a lot of kind of contention with that last bracket system just because of the the variety of movies that were on there and going through the comments was just was also more fun than um than than voting themselves because people were losing their minds on on some things. But it, I mean, it's it's a it's a lot of fun to just kind of do. It doesn't it takes like a second to participate and it it, it kind of like it it puts a nice kind of period on my day when i get to come home and vote you know um and look through the comments you know it's a lot of fun
0: yeah and like don't get me wrong i think a lot of people are complaining about that uh from the the perspective of, oh I, i'm a movie snob and there's no way christopher nolan's movies are better than such and such i'm not saying that i think you can like whatever you like it's a subjective uh medium you know what i mean and i think it's perfectly valid to think that that you you might think the dark knight is better than Apocalypse now. You're wrong, but you might think that, and that's totally cool. And like, I think I don't want to come across like, oh, I'm a snobby, and I'm only uh, I'm only going to pick like older movies or like art house movies because that's not the truth. Because I generally. I watch the same shit everybody else watches. I'm not like a, I'm not a snobber. I'm not highbrow, but it, it it's it's fun. And and I isn't that fun too anyway, getting caught up in the arguments and the trolling and like, this is better than this. That's part of the fun. And that's as geeks and people who are into movies, like we all have different opinions and, and arguing with people about your opinions is part of the fun of being into shit like this. So, yeah. you know, you got to take the rough with the smooth and everybody's right and everybody's wrong. So, yeah. Okay, thanks guys. Thanks for sticking around. Um, Been a great episode. We will be back at some point. See ya. Super fun episode. Um yeah, send it across to me and I'll get it in.
1: Sweet. Alright, man. You have a good one.
0: Yeah, you too. Enjoy the rest of your day, buddy. Bye. See
1: ya.